All right, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Do you all have a physical Bible? Okay, get a physical Bible. Listen, this ain't good enough. Okay, you know why? Because this is a distraction machine. That's what this is. And when you're doing your quiet time, you got your notifications popping up. I know what's going on. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever y'all are doing. Okay, get yourself physical paper. In my quiet time in the morning, I take this, I put it in another room, and then I get this out and I read it, okay? So do that. And then bring them to church, too. Get your Bibles out. Uh, Turn to Genesis chapter 45. And then if you want to, we'll get there in just a minute. And then if you want to do a placeholder, um, over in Romans 12, we're gonna, we'll get there in a little bit as well. Um, we've been in a series called From Dream to Destiny. And today is part 10 and the final message in this series. We started this series on uh, June 19th. So it's been our whole summer series. We've been, we've been going after this and it ends today. Um, what, have we been, what have we been doing? We've been looking at the life of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph... God gave Joseph a dream at the age of 17 years old, um, but Joseph had to go through 10 refining processes to become, uh, to have the character necessary to sustain the vision that God was giving him for your life. How many know when you're 17 or whatever years old, when you're young, God can give you a vision, it can be bigger than you, but you have to grow into that vision, Amen. And, and Joseph grew into that vision. So if we're going to step into the things God has called us into, we have to develop character for the calling, character to, to sustain the calling. And I don't care this morning, this, this series, as a young man, this series actually really blessed me and helped me. Um, and, and so it's really good for young people. But I don't care if you're 17 or 75. God's always doing something in your character. God's always refining you and making you Christ-like. And so I believe... You know, in fact, some of these tests I've retaken over and over because God wants you to pass them. Amen. Okay, you get you get a redo. You get a redo on a lot of these tests. You don't have to have a redo. You can just pass them and move on. But you get a redo. All right, let's do a quick, uh, just a a lightning fast review. I won't even highlight what we talked about in every message. But if you missed any of these, um, go back and listen to them because they've all been great. We had a lot of people. present these messages. It wasn't just me. And they did a fabulous job. And I, um, um, you, you'll be blessed to go back and listen to them. Okay, so from Dream to Destiny, part one was the pride test. Part two was the pit test. Joseph was thrown in a pit. Part three, the prophetic test. Part four, the palace test. Part five was the purity test. Part six was the prison test. Part seven, the power test. Part eight, the prosperity test. Part nine, the pardon test about forgiveness. And today is part 10. We're talking about the purpose test. How can you know God's purpose for your life? And how can you pass the purpose test? We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're going to read uh, uh, Genesis chapter 45. Joseph's brothers, at this point in the story, they've come down from Egypt, um, from the promised land, because they've heard that there's grain in Egypt. There's been famine in the land for two years and they and their families are starving, so they went down to Egypt to buy grain. Um, and the, the previous two chapters, uh, Genesis 44 and 43, Joseph knew that his brothers had come, but he hadn't revealed himself to his brothers. And he kind of messed with them a little bit. I think it's okay. They sold him into slavery, right? He kind of messed with them a little bit. He was still figuring things out. But right here we're going to see this is the first time that Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Now, I thought this was interesting. 
At this point in the story, Joseph is 39 years old. Okay, they sold him into slavery when he was 17 years, about 17 years old. And so it's been 22 years since they've seen their brother. For all they know, he's dead or whatever. And it's been 22 years since they have seen him. All right. Joseph, at this point in the story, finally realizes, he fully realizes his purpose. He puts all the pieces together and he, know, and he knows God has been with him this whole time, but he doesn't, he doesn't just realize God has been with him this whole time. He finally realizes why God has been with him this whole time. Okay, So we'll start in Genesis 3, 45, verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Can you imagine they were just like... All standing there. This guy has the power to kill us. I'm Joseph. Oh, verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Notice he said, you didn't send me here. God sent me here. Verse 6, for two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five there will be no plowing and no reaping. Verse 7, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. That was the third time he said, but God sent me here. He made me father to Pharaoh and lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Here's where Joseph's at in the story. Joseph finally fully realizes God sent me here and it was for a purpose. Okay. Listen, oftentimes we have to keep this in mind when we're going through things, we're going through trials. We have to remember that perhaps this could be for a purpose. It's hard to see that when you're going through a trial, how could this possibly contribute to a good future purpose? How could it possibly? And even if God didn't send you into a situation, he's a good father, he's not, he's not um, cruel. Even if God didn't send you into a situation, perhaps it was the enemy of your soul. We have this amazing scripture in the book of Romans that says all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, listen, I don't know what the enemy of your soul has done to you, but we have, if you love God, God will work it for good in the end. It's so good. And we have to remember that when we're going through trials. Today, I want to talk about uh, three ways to help you discover your purpose and to help you pass the purpose test. All right. So point number one, how do you discover your purpose? Number one, realize that your purpose involves helping people. Your purpose involves helping people. Your purpose does not. Listen, I have nothing against white picket fences, boats, big houses. You know, you worked hard for that stuff. Enjoy that stuff. But that's not your purpose. Your purpose involves helping some people. Joseph finally realizes that God sent him. He said it three times in that, in that portion of scripture there. And, it, and he realized that God sent him so that he could save a multitude of people. This is a huge key for us finding out what our purpose is. Do you feel fulfilled in this life? Do you feel like you're, you're walking in your purpose? Here's a huge key. Help some people. Find some people and help them. Or perhaps you're here and, and at one time you felt like you were hitting your stride and you, you were walking in your purpose. But for whatever reason, you've just felt like you've gone astray. Listen, I want to help you this morning re-realize your purpose. I want to help you be, rediscover that. 
What do we need to do? Realize our purpose is intricately woven into helping people. It's intricately woven into helping people. Um, I'll give you some examples of how I've seen this gone well and how I've seen this not gone well. Um, over the years, um, this is kind of, in an odd sense, I, um, I was a college pastor when I first became a pastor. And I did a lot of funerals as a college pastor. Not because our people were dying, our young people, thank God. Um, but because they always needed someone to do funerals at, at, at the church I was working at. Like, and I had this thing when I was young in, in the ministry. I had this thing where I would say yes to every speaking opportunity available to me. Because I was trying to work that muscle. I was trying to become comfortable with speaking and presenting. And so I did weddings. I did funerals. I took, you know, I spoke to youth groups in Nebraska. I took every speaking opportunity. And one thing I did a lot of was funerals. I remember the first funeral. I was so nervous. It was unbelievable. But here's the deal. The funerals I've enjoyed doing the most are, number one, when the person knew the Lord. Okay, that makes a funeral a lot better. When this person knew the Lord. When you're not sure, well, they were real quiet and private about their faith. You're just like, okay, let's assume they did. You know, that will make it easier. But number one, when they knew the Lord. And number two, if they were not shy about it. If they knew the Lord and they weren't shy about it, that made doing a funeral a lot better. It made it so much easier to talk about. We just talk about, hey, we're, we're, we're hurting. The Holy Spirit's going to comfort us. We're mourning. But this person's in paradise. This person's with Jesus, okay? But another thing that makes a celebration of life service even better is when you knew that person lived outside of themselves. They live to help other people. That's a, that's a great funeral to do, honestly. By the way, if you're here and you're thinking, you know, I'm getting kind of old and maybe someday I'd like Pastor Kurt to do my funeral. And maybe I will, okay? But do me a favor. Number one, don't be shy about your faith. That will help me do my job. And number two, do something for God. Do something for God and do something to serve some other people, okay? Um, Today is uh, Pastor Howard Skinner's um, funeral. And I don't know if any of you are going to that service, but um, my wife and I have the privilege of presenting part of that service. We're not doing the whole thing, but we're presenting part of it. How many know that's going to be an easy one to do? We're just going to talk about, in fact, what they want, what Betty wanted us to do was read the history of their, their ministry. All the, all the churches they pastored, all the, all the countries they uh, ministered in. That's going to be super easy if I can pronounce the names of the cities in China, you know. Um, <laughs> So pray for me for that, that I could pronounce the words correctly. But that's going to be fun, right? What are we doing? We're celebrating a man who, like, did it right. He lived his life serving Jesus and blessed us all. On occasion, though, I've, I've asked the family about, you know, you're doing, a, you're doing a memorial service. You ask the family about a person. And this is, sometimes they're like this. Like, well, he liked to garden. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. He liked to camp. She liked sewing. She loved cooking. Oh my gosh, they love the Bron- she loved the Broncos. Okay, nothing wrong with any of that, of course. And you could talk about those things. In fact, at my funeral, I'm sure someone will say something about hiking and running and different things I was interested in. Nothing wrong with any of that. But let me ask a question. Did, I'm, what I'm looking for is, what did this person do? Did they do something for anyone else? Did they live outside of themselves or were they just a me monster? Okay. And I realize sometimes, this is a little bit brutal to say, I realize that sometimes that some of the people that I've memorialized never fulfilled their purpose here on earth. And I know that for a fact because they never did anything for anyone else. 
your purpose is intricately woven into helping other people. This is this was Joseph's purpose. This is my purpose. This is your purpose. Okay. Um, or maybe you'll talk to maybe you've talked to this person. You ever talk to someone and you like try to invite them to church or and they give you an answer like this or you know talk about your faith or whatever and they give you an answer like this. Well, um, I don't need to go to church because you know I. I believe, but I just like to experience God in, in nature, like while I'm fishing or whatever. You know, I'm a good I'm a good person because, you know, I just I just mind my, I'm, I'm, I mind my own business. I'm a good person, and I'm like, you mind your own business? That's your definition of a good person. Like you go fishing and mind your own business. This is a good person. Okay, listen, nothing wrong with fishing. I have a lot of friends who love fishing, but that is not the definition of a good person. Someone who just enjoys the outdoors, does their job, and minds their own business, okay? Okay, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. None of us are actually good. There's only one who's good, and that's our Father in Heaven. And he, he imputes his righteousness to us, thank God. All right, so the righteousness of Jesus. Get that out of the way. But let me tell you an attribute of a good person. Here's an attribute of a good person. They see a need in the world, and they don't mind their own business. That's an attribute of a good person. They see a need. They see someone who needs help. Now, listen, there's a lot of needs in the world, and you probably can't fulfill them all. So you've got to be wise here and spirit-led. But you see a need. You realize there's something you can do about it. You recognize the grace of God in your life to, to help someone, and you, and you do something about it. That's a better definition of a good person. How many have heard the story of uh, Corey Ten Boom? Yeah. Corey Ten Boom. Listen, if you don't know about Corey Ten Boom... Go read up and watch videos on her. She and her family are famous. They're famous people. Not because they minded their own business. They're famous because they did something for God. Okay, She's famous because her and her family hid Jews from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. And it's estimated that her and her family saved um, about 800 Jews and other refugees fleeing Nazi Germany... Uh, from the Nazis, okay? Um, she's famous because she saved a lot of people, okay? Here's what I want to say. You will never fulfill your God-given purpose by enjoying nature and minding your own business, okay? You'll never, you'll never fulfill your purpose. You want to fulfill your purpose? It's, it's going to be about helping some people. It's going to be about living outside of yourselves, okay? Again, I love nature. I recharge in nature. You've seen our pictures on you know Instagram lately. We, my wife and I have been hiking we love nature. I experience God in a different way in nature by myself. But then I get myself back here and I help some people. Okay? And this is part of your purpose as well. Okay? It's interwoven with helping people. You are no different. Okay? That's point number one. How can you discover your purpose? Number one, realize your purpose involves helping people. Number two, discover how God has personally designed you. Okay? Your design will help reveal your destiny. This is one of the best ways to discover your purpose. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, our children's pastors, Dustin and Kate Grinneman. Dustin is an artist. Okay, he, He's really good at art, really um, it's something he enjoys. Now, he could use that art to engage with God for himself, be creative. But he's also, over the years, used his ability to create art, to teach others and to mentor others and to cultivate others to learn how to become artists. What did he do? He took the way God designed him 
And he transformed that in a way to bless other people and help other people. Um, some of you here, maybe you're, maybe you're mechanically inclined. You know how to work on cars. Maybe you have a, you know, a, a car project or whatever. You just like to tinker. What if God wants to use that, not just so that you could have a hobby car, but you can help some others who are in need, help them along the way. He designed you because you're, you're mechanically inclined. That's a gift. Not everyone's mechanically inclined. Not everyone is handy. But perhaps he's given you that gift, not just for you, but so you can bless other people around you. Look at the way God has designed you. Um, personally, I, I have a, a strong inclination to, um, to physical fitness. It's just something I gravitate towards. And um, a few years ago, I was thinking about, um, you know, we don't like to ask you guys to do anything that we don't do. So my wife and I, we, we want and encourage you to be part of small groups. Um, so I'm like, I better be in a small group if I'm encouraging my church to be in a small group. And um, I, I was part of a, a closed group for years and still am. But I wanted to be part of a, of a small group that was open for anyone to come to. And I was like, I'm really busy. I don't have another night of the week to open up something else. And I just thought, you know what? Wednesday nights, I pretty much have a recurring appointment. Um, I meet with a running group. We run. And I thought, what if instead of me thinking of something, something else on another night, I'll just invite people to what I'm already doing. We'll have some fellowship around fitness, around running, being in shape. And then afterwards, we'll go out and we'll have fellowship and we'll get to know each other and connect with people. And that's been an amazing group. It's called Dash and Dine. If you want to get in shape, come with us, okay? I enjoy helping others get in shape and stay in shape. That's something that God's designed me for, but I, I want to use that in such a way that blesses other people. Okay. So look at the way he's designed you. What are you natural at? What are you good at? Can you use that in a way to bless other people? Maybe you're here. You have a, a construction business and listen, I know you gotta, you gotta make money at your construction business. You can't do it all for charity, but what if once a year you picked a project that was going to be like, I'm going to help a single mom or I'm going to help a family that's in need with my business, okay? So just be thinking about that. That's one practical layer. But now let me let me help you also give this a spiritual application. Flip over now to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 4. Romans 12 um, highlights, uh, verse 4, that within the body of Christ, um, there are there's one body, but there are many members within that body, okay? I want to show you a list of gifts that it talks about here. And many um, Bible teachers and theologians, they call these the motivational gifts. Okay. In other words, what is it that drives you? What are the motivational, what are the motivational gifts? There's, there's gifts, but then there's something um, that drives you to minister to people. Okay. I want to say this. You have one of these gifts. I believe God has graced, graced every person with one of these gifts. And I, my prayer this morning is you would identify yourself is having one of these gifts that we're about to read about. This is this is the way he's designed you. So Romans 12, 4 through 8 says this, For just as each of us um, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, uh, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay? You have one of these grace gifts. Okay? I want you to identify as one of these gifts. And I'm going to break them down to just kind of help us understand what they are. Okay? They're the motivational gifts. So, 
Motivational gift number one, prophecy. This person desires to build people up. They desire to build people up. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.4, the one who speaks in a tongue, speaks in tongues, um, builds up himself. I love speaking in tongues. Why? It builds myself up, okay? The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds the church. Okay, the one who prophesies is, is for the, the, the building, the encouraging, the comforting of other people. Okay? So if you're driven by wanting to build people up, maybe that would indicate to you that God wants to encourage you and um, get you to learn to, to flow in the prophetic more. Okay, motivational gift number two, the servant. These people are amazing. The sir, uh, this person desires to meet the needs of people on a practical basis. Okay, some of you were great at this. Um, MJ down here, he's an amazing man of God. He, 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 he's a, he serves me, actually, here at this church, he serves me. Um, many of you fit in this category. This person will help you move. This person will head up, uh, help it with setup and tear down at a church. This person's, you know, an usher. Um, and listen, I want us to say something about, I mentioned this a minute ago about praying for people for cognitive decline and depression, stuff like that. One of the best things you can do if you're depressed or if you're feeling cognitive, cognitive decline is to serve, to serve outside of yourself. It actually will help lift you out of depression, things like that. So don't just sit around and be depressed. Go serve, go to a soup kitchen and serve someone. It'll, it'll, it'll bless you. Okay. Okay. Motivation, uh, motivational gift number three, the teacher. This person desires to study and present truths to people. Okay, you love studying and you love presenting those spiritual and practical truths to people. This person reads a lot of books. They listen to a lot of sermons. They listen to podcasts. They lead Bible studies. They lead classes. They have an insatiable appetite for learning and for teaching others. If this is you, you have a, you, maybe this is your gift. Okay, that's number three. Number four, motivational gift number four, the encourager. This person desires to deposit courage into others. That's what the word encourage means, to deposit courage into other people. These people are essential. How many know that, how many know life is not easy? Life can be pretty dang difficult, and encouragers are so important when you're going through a hard time, especially um, to just speak life into you and encourage you. I love these people. Okay. Motivational gift number five, the giver. This person desires to meet the needs of people on a financial, primarily on a financial basis. Okay, This person has the gift of giving, and they often give above and beyond their tithe. Often this person knows uh, how, to, how to make money and lives below their means so that they can bless other people. They're also good at helping others to understand how to make money and live below their means. So that, so they're not just good at like, here, here's a gift. They're good at helping others, you know, teach someone to fish and you feed them for the rest of their life, right? Um, so they're, they're good at that. The giver. Amazing gift. Uh, motivational gift number six, the leader. This person desires to serve people through inspiration, administration, and organization. Okay. Are you a good administrator? Are you, are you an organized person? Are you an inspiring person? Okay. This person is organized and needs to stay diligent, okay? This person also, I was looking at some of the Greek, um, the, the Greek words here. 
And this person must maintain exceptional moral character. Why? Because they're leading and people are following them. And if they don't ex- uh, maintain exceptional moral character, they will lead people in the wrong direction. How I many? We got a lot of people with a very natural gift of leadership in this nation who have terrible character and they're leading people in the wrong direction. So it's, I wish you could take these people with this strong gift of leadership and just be like, do better, you know? Okay. I don't know. It's the shortest sermon I've ever preached. Do better. Okay, oftentimes people with the gift of leadership, they have a vision, they have a vision of where we can go, but they're also good at breaking that vision down and making it simple for other people to follow. I've, have you ever met someone and they have this grand vision, but then there's like no practical steps to it? It's like, how am I going to do my vision? I'm like, well, you have to be able to distill that down into easy steps, okay? So they're good at that. Joseph's gift in the Bible, Joseph's gift was leadership. And Joseph's gift Worked everywhere he went. He was always being promoted everywhere he went. Okay, motivational gift. Last one, number seven, mercy. This person desires to serve others by showing empathy and compassion for them. These people are really important as well. When you're going through a hard time, empathy and compassion. This is a spiritual gift that some of you have. My prayer is that today you would see yourself in one of these categories And it helps inform you on how God wants to use you to bless other people. It's fun here at the church to see when there is a, when there's a need, you know, we're in a staff meeting or whatever, and there's a need that pops up. Hey, this, this family's going through this. Hey, this person's going through this. And you watch all these gifts rise to the surface. The, the encourage, you know, you say, oh, they, they, they've uh, had a big financial thing happen. And the, the people who are giving, the giving people, they're already like thinking of what we should give. And then the encouragers have already texted the person, like, you're going to be okay, we love you. And the prophetic people are like, here's the word of the Lord over your life. You know, all these gifts um, go into operation, and the servants are like, we're going to come over and we're going to help you clean that mess up. And, you know, it's amazing. Okay. So it's fun to see people jump into activation. I want to see yourself in one of those categories today. So that's point number two. How do we discover your purpose Number one, realize your purpose involves helping people. Number two, discover how God designed you personally. Point number three, pick a direction and be faithful. Many people are paralyzed because they're unsure of if where they are going is the right direction. So they don't want to start. Well, I don't want to go in the wrong direction. Here's what I want to say. If you're helping people, you will. it's never a loss if you're helping people. But you inevitably end up going in the right direction. Let's say you start off this direction, but your gift says, I actually should help people in this manner. You will inevitably end up steering into that direction. Let me give an example of this. Um, if you've ever been on a boat, uh, boats have rudders, right? The rudders steer that ship. But how many know if you're sitting still, the rudder doesn't do anything? Like you could sit there, turn the steering wheel, it's not going to turn the boat any direction. If the boat is moving, now that rudder has, has something to do and it will steer that boat in the right direction. This is the same thing with serving and using our gift and finding our purpose. Just start serving people. Just start loving people. Just start praying for people. Just start serving God. And maybe it's not the exact perfect fit the way God's designed you. But listen, as you move forward, God will steer you in the right direction because you're doing something for him. You're moving forward. You're being faithful, okay? Just start where you're at. Many people will say, once I get the position, I use my gift. 
No. The way you get the position is you use your gift, and then your gift makes an opening for you, makes a way for you. Okay? Just start using your gift. That will open the door for you. Don't wait for the position. Remember, Joseph had a gift of leadership, and he didn't wait till the fullness of his destiny. You know, my brothers are bowing down to me, and now I'm in charge of all of Egypt. He didn't wait for that. He just he employed his gift of leadership everywhere he went, and he got promoted everywhere he went. He led in Potiphar's house. He led in the prison, and, and eventually he ended up leading the entire Egyptian empire at that time. At very least, if you step out in a direction to serve God, and it's not a good fit for you, you at least know what's not a good fit for you. Okay? Let me give you an example of this. Um, last week after service, I was talking to someone down here after church, and they were like, um, telling me that they're an accountant. I'm like, what are you doing with your life? You know, they're like, I'm an accountant. And um, they were just saying, yeah, I went to school, and I just... It was so intuitive, I just grasped the concepts of accounting very quickly, and it just was really easy for me, very natural. And I was like, yeah, I had that opposite experience of accounting in high school. <laughs> in fact, uh, I think it was my junior or senior year in high school, I needed another math credit, and I didn't want to take more math. So I was like, I'll do accounting, that's like going to be an easy A, right? And I took an accounting class, and I don't know what it was about accounting, it was just, I hated it, it wasn't intuitive, it was hard for me to learn, and I got one thing out of that class when I finished. And I passed by the grace of my teacher. I got one thing out of that class. I knew that I would never be an accountant. <laughs> it was valuable. Accounting, not for me, okay? Thank God for accountants. They're like amazing people. Thank God for nurses. I never want to be a nurse, but I'm, I'm thankful for people with that gift, right? So at very least, you'll know what you're not made for, what you're not designed for, okay? Step out in a direction and watch what God wants to do with you. Let me, let me conclude with this. I'll start to bring this to a close. Over the, of course, there are many things that God may have purposed for you in your life. And I, my prayer is that you step into everything he has for you. But I want to say this. I'm going to just take this opportunity this morning. If you call City Lights Church your home, it is my, our hope and our prayer that if this is your home church, that there is a serve team that you are connected with. And listen, you can serve as little as once a month, or fact, in fact, like in the kids' ministry, you could serve as little as every once every six weeks, and it would be like a tremendous blessing. But I want to encourage you, connect to one, of, if this is your home church, connect to one of our serve teams somewhere and serve on some interval. It doesn't have to be every week, obviously. But I want to just take this opportunity because I'm talking about serving and I want to give you just a practical today application, okay? Um, we have over 20 different serve teams that you can connect to and we could use help in all of them. People always ask though, but where's the greatest need? The greatest need is always kids ministry, okay? So, and by the way, if you go to kids ministry, we're not going to throw you alone in a room with 30 kids and dirty diapers. You'll, all, you'll never be alone and we'll train you and equip you. And you can do it like once every six weeks. That's great. Okay, here they are. Uh, I just want to name the teams because um, actually if you scan that QR code, you can, you can sign up for a team today. And there's, there's one here that I'm sure fits you. But obviously worship team, musicians and vocals, set up and tear down team, sound team, media team, greeters team, hospitality team. Got greeters over there. Come on. You can cheer when I say your, your, your team if you want. That's fine. Can I hear the greeters? All right. Hospitality team. 
they're, they're out there helping, you know. Um, they set up the coffee and all that stuff. Safety and security. Ushers. Children, birth through, uh, birth through sixth grade. Prayer ministry. Newcomers class. That was the belong class before we've changed that to the newcomers. Um, outreach team. All right. Go, Skoma Linda. Youth, junior high and senior high, they're all gone right now. So, okay. They'll be coming back today. Uh, city groups. Come on. Small group leadership. Uh, men's, women's, manna meals ministry. Listen, if you're good at cooking, if you're good at cooking, you want to help take meals to people who like had a surgery or a death in the family, we have a place for you. Oh my gosh. Um, bereavement ministry. That's people who help with funerals and that kind of stuff or hospital visits. And then we have an events team as well. Um, my encouragement is if this is your home church, if you're just checking us out, that's fine. But if this is your home church and you're not connected to one of these teams, I want to encourage you, connect to one of these. It's a life-giving experience for you. It's not what we can get from you necessarily. It's actually that we want something for you. We know this will be a blessing to your life to do something outside of yourselves. Now, obviously what God has called you to involves what you, what you, possibly you do here, but also involves things outside of the church. I don't want to limit your purpose to what you do in the church, of course. Because we want to be the church here, but then we want to take the church and be go outside, amen. Shine the love of Jesus everywhere we go. To close, though, I want to I want to read a story. Well, it's not really a story. I want to read to you about a leader, a particular leader. Many of you know will know exactly who this is right away, and some of you won't. This person is there a third category? There's only two categories. You either know or you don't. But you all know at the end of this who I'm talking about, okay? So there'll only be one category when I'm done, all right? All right. Don't say the person if you know who they are. This person took many character tests before stepping into the fullness of their God-given destiny. I'm going to read about this man. At 22, he failed in business. At 23... He was defeated for legislator. At 24, he failed in business again and had a lot of debt. At 26, his girlfriend, his his love interest at that time, died of typhoid. At 27, he had a nervous breakdown. At 29, he was defeated for speaker. At 31, he was defeated for elector. At 34, he was defeated for Congress. At 39, he was defeated for Congress again. At 46, he was defeated for Senate. At 47, he was defeated for vice president. At 49, he was defeated for Senate again. How many know that's a lot of defeats? That's a lot of setbacks. But at the age of 51, he was elected as the 16th president of the United States. Who are we talking about? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, had it not been for his leadership, perhaps this would be two, three, four separate countries. He led us through our only civil war and kept this country from fracturing in many pieces. And he righted the wrong of, of the greatest atrocity that this nation has ever participated in. He ended slavery. He righted the wrong. Here's the deal. God had him in the right place at the right time, but he was doing the right things all along. He was... He was trying to employ the gift of leadership that God had on his life. He had many defeats, many setbacks, 
but God still had a plan, purpose, and destiny for him. And we're all recipients of that today, of that, of that blessing. Here's what you need to know. I'm sure you're here and you've had some setbacks. I've had some setbacks. Joseph had some setbacks. Abraham Lincoln had some major setbacks. But we have to be faithful and diligent to the dream God has given us. Amen. We've got to serve some people and just keep moving forward. What are we going to do? We're going to persevere. We're going to push forward and we're going to persevere. And you're not going to quit. Amen? Don't quit today. Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray for you. Now there's only one category of people. <laughs> Maybe some people in the hallway who don't know. I don't know. I'm going to pray over you and then we'll, we'll uh, get you guys out of here. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for the amazing and unique diversity of spiritual gifts practical gifts in this place, Lord. I thank you for every person. God, let us stand before you on that day and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We want to stand before you knowing, Lord, that we've fulfilled everything that you've purposed us for in this life, Lord. We, want to, we don't want to stand before you. Of course, there's love and grace and mercy on that day, and we're coming into your kingdom, but we also want to know, Lord, we did it. We did what you want us to do. We accomplished what you want us to accomplish, Lord. So God, I just pray you'd help everyone here realize in what way they can serve people, bless people. God, ignite our gifts, ignite our passions, and lead us. We love you, Jesus. God, and I pray encouragement and comfort to anyone who's just had setback after setback after setback. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We bless you today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. amen.